0: As we begin this journey, hopefully up and out of lockdown this morning, I wanted to do some thinking about where we are at with our kids' teams. Loads of you have sent me questions. What are you doing about team? Are your team coming back? Um, And I wanted to have a think about that. In Belfast, We haven't gotten back together in person yet with our kids in any of our usual contexts, apart from we have been doing family services. And truthfully, I'm not even sure what our exact timeline is. It's all a bit of a best guess with us. But lately, I have heard story after story from many of us telling of the struggle to get our teams back. A number of you have told me that in your ministries, in your churches, not just in kids' ministry, your teams are feeling, well, a bit decimated. And some of you watching this, maybe you lead a team or maybe you oversee multiple teams. Some of you are here because you serve on a team. Some of you are here. And your brand new leaders you've just stepped into this thing hooray we're really celebrating for you whatever way in which god has invited you to serve the children in your church safe to say that many of our teams a year on from when the pandemic started are looking a little bit different And so I was praying about what to teach on, and I felt the Lord just prompt me to have a big think about this, thinking about our teams. So before you get excited, I definitely do not have all the answers. But I do feel that the Lord has a word for us all from Scripture this morning, and I would love to talk to you from the story of Gideon. We are, most of us, kids leaders watching this. And so I am going to assume that lots of you have taught many a lesson on the life of Gideon, from hiding in a wine press to throwing down fleeces, to winning great victories. The story expands chapters 6 and 7 in the book of Judges. And so rather than read you the whole entire two chapters, I'm going to do a mixture of storytelling and reading from the Bible as we listen to what God is saying. Let's pray before we continue. Yeah. Thank you, God, that your word is living and active. Thank you that you speak to us through the scriptures. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would open our ears and our hearts to the things that you would say to us this morning. Amen. Okay. Okay. So we're going to pick up the story in Judges chapter six. Let's read this together. We have it for you to follow along. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of the Midianite, of, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain cleft. Caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like a swarm of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. These people are living through really, really challenging times. I wonder, can you just picture in your mind that army like a swarm? It was just vast. And it is in this context that we first meet Gideon. And he's threshing wheat while hiding out in a wine press so that the Midianites don't steal it straight from him. And he is feeling scared, nervy, and confused. And then an angel of the Lord appears to him and greets him with the line The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So we read on Pardon me, my Lord. pardon me my lord Gideon replied but how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family the Lord answered I will be with you and you will know how the story continues Gideon asks God for signs. He says, give me a sign that it really is you talking to me, Lord, I need to know. And then this fire comes from the Lord and consumes his food offering. And all the while, we know that Gideon is terrified. We know this because the Lord keeps saying on repeat things like, peace, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. After this miracle, the Lord then tells Gideon to go and tear down his father's altar to Baal, which he does in the middle of the night, not the daytime, because you've guessed it. He's very, very afraid. So now the situation with the Midianites attacking is just about to get worse. We read that all the Midianites and the Amalekites and other eastern peoples have joined force and crossed over the Jordan and camped together. But then the spirit of the Lord comes on Gideon and he blows his trumpet and he summons people to follow him. He sends his messengers throughout all the surrounding tribes, throughout Manasseh and Asher and Zebulun and Naphtali. And the response is completely unprecedented. They all respond. They come up to join Gideon. And how is Gideon feeling? He is still nervous and needing confidence. And so we have the wet fleece, then the dry fleece scenarios. And God is just so gracious with Gideon like he is with all of us. And so we land into the part of the story in chapter 7 that I want us to pay special attention to today. Gideon, he sent these messengers throughout all the tribes to recruit as many men as He can to the battle. And how many come? 32,000. That's some recruiting of a team. That's got to be a confidence boost right there for Gideon. You know, why have these people gathered to his cause? Why have these thousands of people joined Gideon's team? Well, these people have heard of his fame he's torn down the altar to Baal and the word is out and the people are responding to his call and he must have woken up that morning feeling so pumped you know like he could do anything he's put out the call and suddenly 32,000 men have come and joined his team and suddenly he's feeling like hey I can do this thing after all. Suddenly he's feeling like, yes, now I can lead my people maybe to victory. He finally has enough people to make a difference, to maybe even win. First he had no team, and now he has thousands. And then the Lord tells Gideon that he has got too many men that if he were to let them defeat the Midianites, they would boast in their own strength that Gideon must tell the vast army that has gathered that if anyone is scared, they should turn back. I mean, that sounds crazy to me, right? Does that sound crazy to you? Here is Gideon emerging as this incredible leader and he's gathered this marvelous, massive army, probably mostly on account of his own reputation and his own charisma. And now he has to tell anyone he's scared to go home. I mean, what? Like we've already just established that Gideon is scared himself. We just spent a whole chapter establishing that loud and clear. Gideon was scared and he was the leader. He probably should go home if that was the criteria. Gideon was scared. And that is not a command that many of us would feel like obeying in this season. It would be like saying to our teams across all of our churches, hey, if anyone here is feeling tired or apprehensive about this next season, you should really step down. I mean, we're all probably feeling like that ourselves. We're probably all feeling apprehensive about this next season. If we were to say that to our teams, would probably only have a couple of people left, right? But Gideon does what God says, and he announces to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. And God explains why. You see, Israel has had this kind of repeat history where they have this pattern of you know depending upon themselves and not on God and he can't allow Israel to take credit for the victory or they'll just you know go back to that historic pattern the army is reduced by two-thirds but 10,000 men is still too many for God's plan so the lord says to gideon let's read on there are still too many men take them down to the water and i will thin them out for you not what you want the lord to say to you about your team i'll thin them out for you if i say this one shall go with you he shall go but if i say this one shall not go with you he shall not so gideon took the man down to the water There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go Now you can read a lot of articles online about this rather bizarre way that God reduced the size of the army as to why the lappers should stay, the kneelers should go there. A theories that the lappers were more vigilant and the nailers were maybe less aware of what was going on around them. But truth be told, it's definitely one of the funniest criteria that I have ever heard in my days as a basis for deciding. Whether or not someone can serve on your team, I'm sure you've got your own criteria for your own teams. Perhaps to be on your team, you're looking for people who love Jesus, who are committed to the church, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. When we are thinking of what we're looking for on our teams, how they drink water is not up there as a high measure of skill. If we were to able, if we were to be able to ask Gideon what sorts of things he was looking for, for the man in his army. He would probably say that he was looking for men who were physically strong, could obey orders, think strategically. So far as I see it, this was basically a way of separating like 300 men, perhaps completely regardless of their skill set. We don't have a clue if these men are trustworthy or strong or strategic or any of the above. They were simply picked for lapping water. And the rest, as we read, were sent home. A bit later we're going to talk about the ones that went home. So hold that thought as well in your head. So Gideon now has 300 men to defeat an army of A hundred and thirty-five thousand. I mean, poor Gideon, he had just been hiding out in a wine press a few days before and asking God where He where He is in all of this and where are the miracles that we heard about. He wants to see a miracle, but instead of a miracle, he's seeing God shrink his team before his eyes. And I want to say to you, in this season, I have got team leaving. And when I find out, I want to beg them to stay and I feel slight panic. I have had some conversations along these lines in just the past few weeks and I want to launch into my, please don't leave me, please let me tell you about my vision, you're so wonderful because these people are wonderful. And I've even gone home and had a wee cry because things have felt like the end of an era for me with some of our leaders. But then... I have felt the Lord telling me to think about the leaders that I do have. Some of you are listening right now. I love you guys. (laughs) Um, I realize that we might be few, but we are wholehearted and how we serve counts massively in God's plans. We are on such an adventure this next season. And even if The odds aren't looking so good in some of our churches. God is choosing just the right people and he is going to do the things that he says he is going to do. End of. God has promised Gideon that with these 300 men that lapped, I will save you and you will defeat Midian. It's now crystal clear who will do the real saving the Lord Gideon and his men know that they are God's instruments God has found someone in Gideon who trusts him even when things don't make sense and that is such a precious find and if you're here today can I say it looks as though God has chosen you well done are in for an adventure of God moving powerfully amongst our children in these coming months. How are your teams looking? Have some people bailed just because it was the opportunity they were waiting for or stepped down because they're feeling overwhelmed? Maybe they're wondering where God is in the middle of this lockdown a bit like Gideon was in the wine press. Maybe they're scared they no longer have the capacity they used to. Does your team feel reduced? Maybe you've got no idea yet who's coming back and who isn't. But I feel like God has been reminding me through this story that it's not about ability or strength in numbers for this next season. God reduced Gideon's army down to a laughable size that he might demonstrate how he delights to use the weak and the small to do powerful things. All through the Bible, we see God choosing the weak things of the world to shame the strong, using the small to get big things done. The story of Gideon reminds us that God doesn't need large numbers to accomplish his purposes, nor does he even need super gifted leaders. We may not fully understand his plans, but we can completely trust that he will do the things he says he will. Could it be that we can never be too small for God to use, but there are times when we can be way too big. If you're looking around at your fellow team members and feeling like you all have an impossible task, like how will we get our ratios right in the rooms, etc, etc. Remember how God works in those odds. And let me tell you personally, that before the Lord, you, yes, you are a precious find. So now for the next part of our story. The Midianites are camping out in the valley below Gideon. And I am sure Gideon, like many of us, has completely no idea what his next move should be. The Lord knows that for all of Gideon's faithfulness and his obedience, that he is still terrified. He is left with 300 men against the Midianite warriors. I googled the maths, I'm not very strong on maths, and read that the odds were sitting at around 400 to 1 against him. And so God directs Gideon to creep down into the camp so that he can hear the plans of God through a conversation between two enemy soldiers. I love that God wants to encourage Gideon. So picture it, it's the middle of the night. It's dark, and it's quiet, and the enemy camp sleeps. The Bible tells us that the enemy army is thick as locusts. Their camels are so many that they can no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. And God tells Gideon to creep down with his servant into the camp. I love this next bit because, you see, our God who never sleeps has given a prophetic dream, not to Gideon, but to a soldier in the enemy camp. And Gideon arrives down just in time to hear him tell his friend about it. So let's read together from verse 13. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream, And its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. Notice how kind the Lord is to Gideon he knows that he is still afraid and now he has orchestrated the overhearing of this dream and its interpretation so that Gideon will be encouraged and gain confidence and what a strange dream it is a barley loaf tumbles into the Midianite camp and the other enemy soldier has the interpretation of the dream and he declares that the loaf is Gideon I wonder could we talk for a moment about barley loaves. I think I have a picture for you of a barley loaf. Barley bread was used by the people. Wheat would have been the preferred grain with the richer people using barley to feed their animals. And so barley became known as the grain of the poor, a commoner's food. Barley bread was like a staple meal for the everyday. It wasn't a big loaf. It was more like a small, flat bread roll or maybe even, you know, like a pitta. If you wanted an equivalent for today, just think about what you have, something you would eat every single day of life, maybe for your lunch, maybe a sandwich or a piece of toast, a digestive biscuit. So likening Gideon to a cake of barley bread Doesn't actually sound all that complimentary. I'm sure in this scenario, Gideon might might have been preferred to have been compared to a huge boulder rolling in and crushing everything in his path. Or maybe he would like to have had a dream told to him about how the ground shook as a mighty warrior was marching in. But instead, we have a bread roll not marching not crushing, but tumbling, the food of slaves and animals tumbling in. Way to humble a person. But Gideon is not offended. He falls down and he worshiped because he knows now without a doubt that this has nothing to do with him and everything to do with God. And of course, This is not the first time that we have heard of God multiplying barley loaves, is it? It's kind of like a thing that God does throughout the Bible. He's always multiplying barley loaves. In 2 Kings 4, Elisha multiplies 20 barley loaves to feed 100 men. Jesus himself multiplies 5 barley loaves and feeds 5,000 with 12 baskets left over. This bread roll dream leaves us in no doubt that it's God who's running the show. Gideon knows this is the hand of the Lord, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, Zechariah 4 verse 6. When God has something of significance for you to do, He would way rather build your God confidence than prop up your self-confidence. If you're coming up out of this lockdown and you are feeling too weak for the task in front of you, God can strengthen your faith too. Gideon felt powerless from the go-get, but God showed him that even though he felt about as useful as a piece of toast, with God's power behind him, there was victory. Guys, we lean on a par that's not our own. This season, let us not lose faith in what God has called us to do. I remember talking to a kids pastor in a large church a few years back now and asking how she recruited her team. And her answer surprised me. She told me this, she said, why I pick up our church directory and I work my way through it. Every time I have a spare five minutes, I phone the next person on the list. Why there isn't a person in our church who wouldn't be blessed to serve in our kids ministry, let's face it. We need all sorts of people to connect with our kids. She then went on to tell me that she introduced herself, asked if she could share 20 seconds of a vision that God had given her for the children in the church. And then she would invite them to either serve or to pray. What this leader had learned was that God can find weapons and tools, even hiding away in a wine press. He sees the people we don't. If that wasn't the case, there would be no hope for me and no hope for you. No offense intended. If God only used the strong and the mighty, we would all of us be sitting on the sidelines in the fine words of Charles Spurgeon. Brothers and sisters, let not your weakness keep you back from the Lord's work. Surely you are at least as strong as barley cakes. When God puts his power behind us, when he puts his strategy and his direction on us, even if we feel like we only have faith this big, powerful things get to happen. So let's continue with the story. After worshiping God, Gideon returns to his own camp and he wakens everyone up. He's calling to them, get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands the next thing Gideon does is he divides his 300 men into three equal equal-sized groups he gives them each a trumpet an empty jar and a torch it's to go in the empty jar and then he says this to them in verse 17 this is amazing leadership right here watch me he told them follow my lead when I get to the edge of the camp do exactly as I do when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. The kids leader in me loves that part where he calls his team to follow his lead. He's like, follow me lead everyone. Let's go do this crazy thing with some musical instruments and some jam jars and some torches. Follow me, do the things that I do. I wonder what crazy games and worship dances some of you guys have brought to your kids' rooms because you know that this idea is from the Lord and it's going to help little ones connect with their father. Maybe we smile thinking about it. So we continue... Gideon and his men, they reach the edge of the camp and they blow those trumpets and they smash their jars and they make a lot of noise and they let the torches shine out into the camp. So we're told they're grasping their torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets. They blow and they shout a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And after they shout, all the Midianites ran Turning on each other with their own swords and crying out as they fled. Gideon's army won, torches in their left hands, picture it, trumpets in their right, not a weapon in sight. Gideon's soldiers had neither hand free to wield a sword. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords and the army fled Gideon's weapon choice was strange but then the light poured out the power of the lord is what we need guys so many of us are feeling like our plan a is gone Before the pandemic, we were running our kids' ministries just fine and then COVID hit and we moved online and, well, now we don't know exactly what's ahead. Plan A is gone. We probably don't have a plan B. Let me tell you about our church pre-pandemic. We were meeting in a school. Now we're not able to go back to it. We're renting a building that doesn't have enough extra rooms for kids' ministry anyway. meeting in the afternoon now instead of the morning so the time feels odd to us all. Some days I wonder if my dilemmas are a COVID issue or a church building issue. We need a whole new plan and we can't wait for God to reveal it. We have thrown every last bit of strategy and talent we have as a staff at this and I can tell you that when we finally get something sorted in our church, it will be blindingly obvious that God has engineered the whole thing and we have nothing to do with it. I can take a wild guess. Some of you, like Gideon in the wine press, are feeling discouraged. I have this image of some of you, maybe even only managing to breathe easy when you're in your own house. You're thinking to yourself, well, If I'm feeling like this, how's everyone else on the team feeling? Our churches aren't fully back. Some of our families and teams are missing in action. Our old strategies are, well, old. We are feeling like Gideon at the start, asking if you're with us, God, why has all this happened? Where are the miracles? Friends, it's time to look what we do have. Look for the jars and the torches. Get ready for the amazing things that God is about to do. And I have one last verse that I wanted to highlight to you. It's verse 23 and it says this. It says that after the Midianites fled, Israelites from Naphtali, Asher and all Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Who were these people who, when called out, pursued the Midianites? From what I can see, many of them must have been the soldiers from earlier in the story that went home, that dropped out of the team because they were scared. And for whatever reason, they're called out again at this later stage and they come. I have included this wee verse on an inkling that some of our leaders who maybe aren't ready to come back just right now will be back. Perhaps we need to honour them, keep praying for them and invite them back when the time is right. So let me finish by reminding you that our God specialises in overcoming insurmountable odds what are the things that God has shown you he wants to do? What are the dreams he has put on your hearts? Make a list of the things that you long to see the Lord doing in the lives of your own kids, of your church kids, of the families in your church. And let's pray because some of you now need to tell God, that even though you feel about as powerful some days as a barley loaf, that you are are going with him. We might be barley loaves, but we are deeply loved by the one who is the bread of life. God is 100% in control of every circumstance and every situation you will ever face. Gideon learned that this wasn't his battle, it was the Lord's. God chose his team for him and gave him the instructions. God has chosen you. He's choosing team for your church. Let's ask God to choose others to join us and be just the team that our little ones need to set them up for the amazing things that God has planned next. Let's watch now as we enter this new season and see God do some incredible things. Things that only he can do and let's give him the glory.